Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Absolute Game of Nerds, where we talk about the 10 things we wish we knew when we got into collecting. And you can hear someone is trying to uh, break into <laughs> Rohan's safe house. Yeah, there's someone drilling so, up above you, so you may hear it like that right there. So I apologize. We're going to hear Imperial that. Troops have entered the base, Imperial yeah. Troops have entered the <laughs> and then it's done. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to talk about the 10 things we wish we knew when we started collecting. Uh, both of us kind of recently just started again in the last year. Uh, before we get into that, though, we wanted to do a quick little few minutes on uh, on Ant-Man coming out this week. Obviously, when this airs, Ant-Man will already have happened. Um, so, JP, first off, you got your, have you bought tickets yet to go see Ant-Man this weekend? I will see it because my, my movie theater does not get crowded, so I'll be fine. Yeah, so I bought tickets for Friday night, and I bought them on Sunday right before the Super Bowl started. And... At the theater I was at going to, which is the one I go to always, there wasn't a single seat sold. So I got like the middle of the seats exactly where I wanted. So yeah, you're in, it's not like, yeah, you could you could definitely see it. But so real quick, do you have any predictions for it? Because obviously when this airs, the movie will already have happened. So, but this is right now as of now, we're three days before the movie comes out. Any predictions for the movie? Okay, my prediction, my first prediction, and I bought a, a comic for that reason, was Micronauts will appear in the show. All right. The Micronauts. Um, so I'll go with two. So I've kept, I've said this from the beginning, even before I knew anything, but I feel like Paul Rudd is, or I shouldn't say Paul, Ant-Man, played by Paul Rudd, is going to die. Uh, uh, just because I think he's a big actor. He's done a bunch of movies. And he's probably got, maybe wants to do other things. And plus, I think it makes a little bit of sense, like, how do they make a movie like Ant-Man, who is not as big of a character as Iron Man or Thor or Hulk or whatever? How do they level up to like you know build up to King Dynasty using an Ant-Man movie? And I think him dying really ups the ante for the other heroes to be like, "This is we got no joke. This is, this is a big, big deal. Like Ant-Man's gone. This is this is for real." Daughter so uh, gonna take over? Then you think? What's that? His daughter going to take over then? I think his daughter will kind of fill in that role. Um, yeah, I think that'll she'll, she'll probably be, is, is my guess. Um, and then the other prediction that I've heard, uh, I just want it so bad, so I'm going to say it now to hopefully will it into existence. Either at the end or post-credit, you get some kind of glimpse of the Fantastic Four. Right? I know some people have said, like, maybe you see them. I would even be just, I would lose it just if like, let's just say there's a shot of Paul Rudd at, and all of a sudden you just see this like outstretched hand come over and put his hand on the shoulder. And that was it. Like I would, I would still with that alone, lose it. So. Yeah. Cause they haven't casted anybody. Court. No, they, they haven't that's casted why I think anybody. Like the, so the outstretched hand makes sense, right? Cause that doesn't take anyone casting. Or you can see the thing or maybe see four people, a shadow of them. Exactly. Um, or like flames of some kind and like some moving object kind of thing. Yeah, so. my my only prediction is that Micronauts, and that's just kind of from others. But I, I I'm I heard his two post credit scenes, and I'm hoping, like you said, something that this is movie supposed to propel forward Phase Five. Well, There's yeah, got to be something in there. Kevin Feige literally came out and was like, "This is the first movie that really moves the MCU forward." Right. And I tell you <laughs> what, what would be you know, cool was Doom, maybe. So, so I don't want Do I Doom. don't want I don't want Doom yet because I want to get Fantastic Four five before my goal is I got ASM one twenty nine I'm gonna try and 
zero in that. I just just put up some books on Diamond Club. So if they sell, I can get my ASM 129. And then my goal is all in for FF5 by the end of the year. So I don't want Doom to come out because if he does, that book's going. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh, he so, has been, and it, yeah. It, I wish I had the money now because the book is actually in a good spot right now to buy, I think. So. What are you seeing that book at? Uh, so I would be looking at like a 1.0 to 2.0 range. Uh, so it'd be kind of similar cost as like a mid-grade Hulk 181. That's so, like five grand. Uh, I would say more like I would Three probably shoot like in the threes. Yeah. So it's going to take me some time to build up the pot to get to it. So that's why I said hopefully by the end of the year, I can make some side hustles to get up to it. Because I decided like my goal is is that by the end of the year before Doom comes out in the MCU. And then I think I fully committed to then going after X-Men 1 before as like my one goal for 2024, because I think in 2025, you're going to start getting X-Men hot coming in hot. Um, well, get the Jim Lee one. You'll be just fine. Just get the, Jim Lee one from, get the Jim Lee X-Men from 1991 and you've got it. Well, one of the, one of the uh, books I posted for on diamond is a nine, eight Magneto cover signed by Jim Lee. So hoping mm-hmm. to get a, get a little bit of return out of that one. Yeah, that's it. I, I think that the giant size X-Men will be the, the one to have when you already have that one. I don't yeah. know about X-Men one. I don't, but Hey, doesn't hurt to have them all. Right. So no, and X-Men one is one that I'll always want. Right. That and, and giant size X-Men, like I, I will always have a love for those books. And so I, I definitely want them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. Let's I agree, get into But this. that's part of what we're going to talk about. I think is that the love for these books and what it makes you do and what's what we wish we didn't do because we love these books. So, yeah. So we're going to uh, go back and forth. Um, we each got a list of around 10 things that we wish we knew when we started. Um, I'll go and then JP will go, we'll go back and forth. However, we, we haven't seen each other's list, so we may have the same thing. So if one of us says something that the other also has on their list, we're also going to kind of like combine for that item, but I will start off. So my number one thing that I wish I knew and had knowledge about before I, did anything on this was just cleaning and pressing of books. I had heard of it vaguely, especially the pressing part. I really didn't even hear anything at the time when I started on, on cleaning. Um, and so like there was some books that I got signed early on and then off the CGC to get the the yellow label. Um, and I didn't even think, I honestly didn't really know too much about creating at that time. I didn't really know that I should have gotten those books cleaned and pressed prepped for um, grading. That way I could have maximized the value I had been able to get up and now most of those books from those early days i have already flipped to get to bigger books and so it would have just helped me get more out of them if i had known that when i first started and i will add to that since it is talking about um pressing if you do submit a book to cgc for one of their signature events i would recommend doing the post press that they do at ccs which is their side company for 20 bucks um, it adds two more weeks usually to their lead time or to their turn time. But you often hear these stories about how when the artists are there signing things, they can be pretty rough, especially when like you're Todd McFarlane and he has like 7,000, I don't even tens of thousands of books to sign. He's not going to be all delicate to keep your nine, eight and nine, eight. Right. So I feel like the $20 is well worth your, and you also clean them and press them before you send to the signing event. And then I would add the post press just, just to be extra, layer of security to again it's all about maximizing your value so that's my first one 
pressing it that's something again i didn't know about either it's not on my list of items but i was always weary and still am weary of sending my book nothing against anyone who does that but i don't know anyone well enough to send my book to press to yeah. make sure it's the book you sent out there so i'd be more comfortable doing cgc but the turnaround times i thought were much longer yeah than so the if two you weeks. do if you do ccs at cgc when you get just without the signature event the turn time is going to be like a freaking year don't right. do it in that case ask ask us i have a handful of recommendations on pressers and cleaners now because i've researched and done some um and ask anyone right there's a lot of people that will you know happily tell you like oh i use so and so and they're great even if you watch other youtube videos like people like oh i use like Ryan from Automatic Comics, I can't remember who he uses, but he always says he uses this one guy. And you can, they're all on Instagram. You can just find them and message them and go from there. And Lunch Money uses that Comic Spa, which Comic is a cool Spa, name yep. for Yeah, great name for a, for a cleaning. And he highly recommends them. So. so, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad idea. I, I would, I guess for myself, I would just find that higher grade book and, you know, try to flip it that way. Yeah. to buy the higher grade book than pressing because I'd I, like to I, learn to do it myself, but I'd even tell you that, like, machine. even if I bought a brand new book with a modern comic, which I don't collect, but if I bought it right off the rack and I was like, this guy's potential, I'm going to go get it graded now while it's cheap. I would still get it pressed before I had it sent, even though it was brand new right off the rack, just to be safe, right? Because hmm. those modern books, you want that 9.8 because everyone's going to have a 9.8. So you want the 9.8. Right. Might as well do spend 50, you know, cleaning presses typically average cost is $15. Now they have more extensive treatments and whatnot. If you want to talk about that, I mean, get into that, you can do some research on that, but like the standard dry clean and press is 15 bucks at almost everywhere that I've seen. Yep. Uh, well, all right, well, I'll go with my number 10 and I'm going to switch this up again. I don't, I don't have anything on cleaning the pressing. I think that's a great idea. Um, I just wish it was somebody I could see take the books, drop them off, and then pick them back up. So I don't have yeah, that convenience I, where I'm at. I, I'm with you. Like the idea of like, I mean, I don't even like the idea of mailing them off to CGC to get graded. Like, right. I don't like the idea of once I have the book, I want it in my possession. You have no control once it's shipped out and yeah. all that worries me. So, <clears throat> like, I was actually talking but, to the guy I talked to on Instagram. Sorry to interrupt him real quick. Like, he's looking to upgrade his X Men 1, which is a 2.5. And he wants like a 3.0, 3.5. So he's been trying to like do like a trade plus cash for it for someone that has like a 3.5. His other option he's looking at is cracking his and getting it cleaned and pressed and like one of those more fancier treatments. And I was like, that would if that worked out, it'd be probably save him a couple hundred bucks because you have to regrade it still. But yeah. he's without his book for the time it takes to get it cleaned and pressed and the time it takes to grade. Versus if you had someone that was had a 3.5 that, you know, maybe it costs you a couple hundred bucks more, but like, then you never have to lose your book. So. Right. That's and again, we're in a, we're in a time where we can get, I can't, but probably you can being where you're at, you buy something on Amazon and probably that day or the next day, you're going to get it in the mail, right? Yeah. It's going to arrive. So waiting a year for a book to come back, waiting a couple months, waiting a couple weeks, is just for us unheard yeah. of. But years ago, people waited, you know, they took a horse. <laughs> they didn't take yeah. a car. And that's the thing, Go too, back with, hundreds with, of years, with so. cleaning and pressing, I mean, there are some faster, and I found one that says they're faster. I'm going to use them when I do my next submission. But a lot of press will tell you they're six to eight weeks 
to get to your books, which sucks. Right. Yep. And you're going to have another month. Let's just say it's not an speed. easy process. It's, yeah. it's involved because you need at least a day to let it sit. And, and so, yeah, that's it. But my number 10, I'll put that on is watch more YouTube videos, which I would have learned more about cleaning and pressing. Yeah. About, you know, just various little, you know, instructional videos, not, not your top 10 list. I'm not talking that I'm talking instructional videos on the hobby itself would have been helpful um, from how I started again, that seems simple. And we've watched plenty of YouTube videos throughout, but you know, I should have started just with that. But again, when you get into it, you start in one, one corner and you might wait, make your way to a different part of the collecting itself. So your tastes are going to change over the course of time. So the video you watched in the beginning may not be as relevant later on, but definitely do the research as much as you can and not just fly in blind. So, yeah. And I think for a future episode, like it'd be fun to do like our top YouTube and Instagram kind of feeds that we've learned knowledge of all the spectrum when it comes to comic books. Yeah, I would agree. Yep. Uh, you got anything else for that? Or I'll move on. No, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So my next one again, like, and I've mentioned this before in my, when we did our recap of 2022 and a little bit, I talked about it just before at my first point, but uh, signatures. So I, you know, have a background in when I was a kid growing up, I loved collecting sports cards and things like that and sports memorabilia. And so as a child, getting a player's autograph was like the biggest thing that could ever happen. Like when Gary Payton did a signing event at the local JC Penny, we like went and waited for two hours and got Gary Payton's signature. Like that was what it was all about. So, you know, I had a similar love of thinking about when I first started that getting comic books signed would be really cool. And so I, I invested in, you know, a decent amount of books getting signed and a lot of those books I've now since flipped because, you know, they weren't necessarily big, big books. I just thought it was cool to get them signed. But, like, to get them signed, especially if you're doing the CGC route and you want to do the yellow label, like, because the the artist or the writer is going to have their signing fee. And if, you, if you're going to get it graded, they usually have an even higher fee. Like, they may say a signature is 10, 5 to 10 bucks. But if you're going to get a graded signature, they'll say it's 20 to 25 bucks. Or some people are even higher, like. Rob Liefeld, like he won't sign New Mutants '98, for instance, for like unless he, it's like his fee's like 150 bucks, um, and so it's not cheap necessarily to get him signed, and then you have to then pay for the grading fee. And if CGC is not the event that you're sending him to sign, right, you have to pay the facilitator a fee. Like it does add up. And I will say this: if you like signatures, by all means, do it. But my advice is do it for a book or any books that you would consider forever PC. And why I say that is because the books forever PC, or at least, you know, for the long-term thought or short-term is, is forever PC to you. It means something special to you, right? And so if adding that signature to it adds to that sentimental value, it's worth it, right? That's why I think about it. But if you're going to use books to, to get to other books, I'd in my opinion, I would not get them signed because there are a lot of people in this hobby that do not like signatures on their books, no matter what. Right. And so all you're doing, if you're going to use a book to flip, in my opinion, is if you get it signed, you're shrinking your pool of potential people you could make a deal with. All right. Secondly, from what I've experienced, the only books that are going to get you good value on a signature is Jack, uh, is a uh, Stanley, probably Jack Kirby because they're and both those guys are, are long gone. Right. So people would like, right. you know, they're long. The only one even alive, I think that would get you some good value is Todd McFarlane. Uh, and in all reality, when you saw how many books he just signed at CGC, 
market is going to be flooded with Todd McFarlane signatures. Like they're not hard to get. So I don't think the premium is going to be that much of an ad. Um, so I just don't think you get the value you want when you get a book signed. So do it if you want to keep the book and it means something to you. But otherwise, my advice, it's a waste of money. Yeah, I don't have any signature books. Uh, well, excuse me. I have one I bought in a dollar bin. It's a Dreadstar one signed by Jim Starlin. It's not graded. I'd have to send it to CBCS for the grade because they are the ones that don't need to be certified, which we talked about that on one of our shows before. But that's a perfect and, example, right? Jim Starlin is a legit bona fide big time artist from from the comic book world. And he found his signature in a dollar bin, right? Like yeah. it's just they're just but not. it was unverified. It's unver I have like I mean I have it's, it's still like you could buy a Stan Lee book if it had a Stan Lee signature on it, it would be would not be in the dollar bin. No. No, Jim Starlin's in there because it's not verified. And I did find some Batman signed books. I don't even know. They're just the, the writer, the artist, and they were cheap. And yeah. But do I want to spend the 20 or 30 bucks to send these books into CBCS to get them graded and have them, what is it, verified but not? Not witnessed. Not witnessed signature from them. So I thought about it, but is it, what are you going to get out of that book? You know, maybe get... 50 You're bucks not going to even make your grading fees back, probably. Yeah, probably not. So, I'm not into I'm not into signature books. I may buy one, like you said, because these McFarlands are going to come in pretty easily on the on the market. But I'm more of the the line of I want to see them sign it and not send it in. But I also heard from a friend that said, you don't ever want to meet your heroes sometimes, and you may be disappointed when you meet those guys and they sign or they're they're a jerk. Not that they all are. I'm not saying any of them are or are not. I'm just saying that it may not be the best experience. So yeah. sending them into CGC may save you the hassle, waiting in line, being aggravated because there's a guy in front of you or a girl in front of you with 100 books they want signed. Yeah. For the CGC routes, great. I'd love to meet them and talk to them. Not to get the signature though, but that would be part of that meeting process. Wouldn't get a signature on something, but it's not the end of the world for me. I kind of, I'm kind of okay having the book and meeting the person. So yeah, so that's why our goal is grow it. this podcast big enough so we can interview some of these guys, right? Having a clout to be like, hey, Mr. McFarland, let's come sit down with us. Let's see if we have time for you today, Mr. McFarland. Oh no, yeah. Liefeld's here first, and uh, yeah. you know, no, but I'd definitely interview Todd over and. Todd father, right? Yeah, so I mean, I would. My, I would my be, next I'd number. I'd be happy to interview any artist. Anyway. Anyways, go on. Sorry, you're number two. <laughs> yeah, we'll take. That's all right. My number, we'll talk at number nine. We're going down nine here. Um, you know, this, you can put this probably anywhere, but I'm going to say don't buy into the hype. And I, and we, I've done that. Not too. Yep thousands of dollars but i've definitely listened to way too many top 10 shows like our own yeah <laughs> but they were dealing with books of top 10 and i bought for that reason because it was on that list or because i saw it on the, on the list i saw it in an antique store and i picked it up figuring yeah. there was some margin there and to my to my chagrin to my my downfall in that particular book is I didn't sell it right away. You got to sell when the selling's good. Don't hold on to it. Um, yeah. Usually, when the when the trailer hits is when you sell it, and whenever the trailer, the movie's over, buy it back. Yeah, so, so. It, it, I'll jump on this one because this is kind of one of mine is patience versus FOMO. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Don't 
buy into the FOMO because if there are, there are there are two ways I think you could play the speculation game if that's your thing. One, you have to it, let's just say like okay, they're gonna have a Fantastic Four movie. Nothing has been announced about it, right? So what you got to think to speculate is what books can I get cheap that could play a role in that movie, right? So like a lot of guys have been specking on uh, annual number six, first appearance of Annihilus, right? Then it's come out, rumors have come out that Annihilus is going to be the villain, right? Those guys that got that book cheap, that's now their point where they can start looking to sell it, right? And probably the peak of when you want to sell it's like you just said, like it's probably when the trailer drops. Like if you think that then the trailer drops and it's going to only keep going up until the movie, I think you're wrong. Like the max is like, once that trailer hits and people see it, boom, put it on there. That's probably going to be your highest point to sell it, right? Or or even, honestly, like I said, when it just got rumored that Annihilus was going to be the villain, that may be your time because that's when people, other people are going to be FOMOing about that character, right? So that you want to maximize your 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 buck there. Um, right. The other way would be just like you said. You find a book that you know is hot at the antique store, at the flea market, or, I mean, you could even find sometimes in a dollar bin, right? If the LCS owner isn't as up to speed on all the news going on with movies and things like that, which a lot of them aren't, a lot of them aren't. They may have a book in their dollar bin that they don't realize popped for 20 bucks, right? You buy a book for a dollar, sell something for 20 bucks, great. Something like that. But don't buy at the height, right? That trailer comes out like, oh, I got to go buy that Annihilus now. It's like, you're going to pay for it. So that's the time to sell. And then once it dies down, if you want it, buy it then when it's cheap again. That's usually the little, the, the movement of those books yeah so yeah and i will say I like when it, when it when it comes to hunting and things like that if there are books that are on your list have a good idea of what you want to pay for it because i've just come to like this understanding like the books that i want if you're patient and your idea behind what a cost is for it is reasonable you will find that book. It may not be tomorrow and it may not be today. Sure, you can jump on eBay or you can go on Instagram and you can find that book today, but it may be outside of your price. But if you stay patient, you can find the price that you think is reasonable. It will come up. It just It's crazy I find how often that happens. And I've heard that from many people. I'm still waiting for that 181 to show up in the dollar bin books. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's got to be reasonable. It's got to be reasonable. You may find that at a garage sale maybe of some widow that doesn't know what she has but otherwise yeah. i'm hoping yeah. um all right so yep. i guess that's back to me now so again this is also still kind of correlated with my first points but just have a basic understanding of grading yourself again this isn't going to be everyone but in my experience which is again very short but almost every single time i buy a rook raw and i ask the whoever's selling what, what do you got on, what's your estimate on a grade Oh, I have it at 7.0, and I, I'm a conservative grader. Everyone says they're a conservative grader, and every time, I don't think once have I had an experience. Now, I have seen many people post that they've had a better experience where they've had someone say it's this great and it's gotten higher. That has not happened to me yet. Again, my time in this hobby is very short. But typically, I find I end up getting like 0. 0.5 to 1.0 lower than their anticipated grade that I was told when I bought so have an idea of basic understanding of grading. So you can say, if they say this is a 5 you'd be like, oh, I feel like this is a 4 They may not budge, but you can use your knowledge to then maybe work a better price for yourself. 
Um, right. Point out some of the blemishes and whatnot. Exactly. Right. You may you'd be like, hey, because of this, this and this, I think it's actually this. So what do I why don't I pay you the price that's a little lower than the five oh price, but maybe it's a four five price. And, you know, if it's a four oh four five, you know, kind of a wash. So have a having a basic understanding is is extremely valuable. Uh, plus, if you want to use books um, to fund the hobby, right, being able to have the knowledge of like this book is undergraded or this book's overgraded is also key to being able to then make money on the books that you have. Yeah. And I, I submitted some books to CGC and I had an idea of what I thought they would come back as. And the, the two books, I think I sent, sent five in and my Hulk 340 and my Punisher one from 1987. So the unlimited series were both as loved in regard to me as a kid. Cause they were, I had them since then. I read them just as much. Yeah. Right. The Hulk came back at 340. It's, it's a much, it's a, that light blue can show a lot of spine ticks. At least I thought that came back a nine, two, the Punisher came back. I think it was an, an eight, five or what is it? An eight Oh. And I thought they were almost the same in regard to their condition. Yeah. So that much of a difference. Yeah. And at the end so, of the day, it's not guaranteed. You could be the world's best, or best grader and say, oh, this book is a 9-0. And then it comes back in the mail and it's a 7.5. Like, nothing is guaranteed. Like, nothing. I mean, you could be pretty spot on often, but, like, you just, there's no guarantee. And I think that that comes with, with um, my next point is using eBay over key collector because if you read on ebay before i get into the main point but you read on ebay and i do this myself i put in this in there i am not a professional grader please use the pictures to make your determination yeah and i know some guys hate that i listened to a youtube video um lords of the long box and i think tivo hates when people put that in there or he's made some comments about that i don't disagree that i get his point but i'm not a professional grader you're not i don't think uh, so nope. I'm doing the best I can to give you an idea. Look at the book itself and therefore knowing when you submit it, if you bought that book and you're going to submit it for a grade that it could come back as less because I don't have any control over it. Neither do you. Yeah. And here's so, a great point. Unless you work for CGC, guess what? You're not a professional grader. No. Like you no, could be you good at it, but idea. it doesn't you make you may be good at it, but you're not a professional unless you're the one actually doing it for a job. Right. And even to that point is, you know, coming back on someone and say, you know, if I said it was a 9-0 and it came back an 8-5, okay, that was pretty close. If I said it's a 9-0 and it comes back a 4-5, then I was way off. Yeah. There might have been something inside there that, again, that's something else with, you know, knowing color touches and stuff like that. And I've stayed away from buying high-end books because I don't want to get burnt on that. Yeah. Um, that's why I like buying graded books. And I learned that early on. So that's not something on my list here because I learned that early on that I'd prefer to have a graded book over a raw book when I'm spending, you know, a thousand dollars on a book if I did spend that on a book. So, yeah, um, I, that, but, I think that's a good point to add. So if you are buying high end raw books, watch some YouTube videos on how to check for restoration, right? Cause you don't want to buy a high end raw book. You put, $4,000 on this book. And you're like, the guy said it's not restored. And then it comes back a purple label, uh, label you are going to be heartbroken, right? Yep. If you're buying a high-end raw book, 
ask as many questions as you want, right? You are deserved. If you're spending a lot of money on a book, you deserve as, I mean, even if you're buying not a, a, a thousands of dollars a book, you can ask for as many pictures if you're not there in person to see it as you want. Don't feel bad or think it's a hassle. Like they have to sell you the book and you only have to buy it if you think it's a good deal. Right. And you got to make your best judgment. You you can be mad at somebody for that. That would be something that would piss me off big time. But if the person missed a grade by half a grade or, or a full grade, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's an opinion of a grader, but a restoration, slight color touch, like, you know, you got to look through your book and find out, but some things can be missed. And I think that's, a, that's a huge, that's a huge, um, trust loss if you buy from someone and you and the book comes back um restored yeah but i mean you know, it, it maybe. could even be like you've heard guys like will change a staple right like oh the staples pulling out and they'll put in a new staple boom that's a purple label and you may not even have thought to think about staples right so it's yeah. like you need to have some idea of, if you're buying high and raw books i would highly suggest kind of having a grasp about what is restoration and whatnot yep uh, but what my the main item besides eBay was also where I screwed up a lot was using the key collector app. I started with the comic book price guide because that was the only app I found that was free when I started off. Yeah. So I wish I would have paid for a more expensive app in the beginning because I went to key collector because that was two bucks a month and their prices are off. eBay is the best gauge for recent price trends. Yeah. But. And but, GPA tracks eBay, so if you use GPA, that will work as well. But e GPA doesn't have an app, do they? I have no idea. I don't use it. Yeah, that's. So. I don't think CLZ. I don't think Cover Price. I don't think uh, GPA. They don't have an app. Whereas Key Collector is a nice app, but it's not one that's on your computer. And you have to have internet signal. Yeah. Which half the antique stores I go to have no signal, so I can't even figure out if a book is a key or not because they all, you know, this will tie in another one down it, later on, but. A lot of books like they look like they might be worth something. Every, and this is another one I have on there, so I'm sorry if I'm using two, but it makes sense to use it now. But every number one does not mean need to be bought when you're at an antique store, even though it looks good. And the, my key collector app wasn't working. Uh, maybe don't buy it, you know. But sometimes it was a couple dollars. I might buy it to be on the safe side, and then you compile a whole big long box full of crappy books you shouldn't have bought. And uh, that's a story for another day. But going back to it, eBay, if you have the signal and can use it when you're antiquing or picking, is the best bet to getting up-to-date pricing on and yeah. hype, right? Yeah. But I did go to an auction. I bought a bunch of um, starting lineup cards or, or, or uh, figures, and I saw on eBay that the most recent one sold for 100 bucks, and I got a bunch of the same player for 20 bucks. I barely sold one of them for 20. Oh. I didn't get a hundred for it. So yeah. the other one's on sale and I can't even get 20 bucks for that one right now. So I don't know who bought that and if those sales are inflated. Uh, but I think using, I believe using eBay is your best bet. And then maybe sprinkling in a little bit of a cover price or key collector for some understanding of the key books and why, what makes them significant eBay just gives you the price, but if you want to flip something, you're best off using the eBay price, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and that kind of ties into my my next point, which is buying 
on eBay um, or Mercari is another app I've used when I first started uh, or at cons versus on social media, right? So as far as I'm concerned, the best place to buy comic books is on social media, right? Mostly like Instagram or like Facebook buy, sell trade groups, right? In my opinion, that's where I found easily the best deals, right? Two, right, with both eBay and Mercari, you're going to have to pay fees. You have to pay tax, right? Social media, you're going to probably just PayPal someone directly and you have to worry about that. So that, that saves you a good amount of money. The two, I, I will say this, right? eBay is obviously going to be, if you need a book and you need it today, eBay is going to be your best thing, right? Because it has every book you could ever imagine available at almost any time. But again, I always encourage, you know, be patient, be wait for the book that you want for the price that you want. So where are you going to score on both eBay and Mercari? On eBay, you can snipe, not every time, but often you can snipe an auction for a low price because there's a lot of them out there. For example, I have both the Batman 423 and the ASM 300 that I have in my collection, which there are literally dozens of each of those books on eBay at any given day. So I just picked a couple auctions and I followed them. And on each of those, I found an auction that no one bid on. And I put it in the one bid and I got the minimum price for those two books, right? That's not always going to happen, right? But oftentimes you may be able to find a book that's on an auction that doesn't have many bidders and you can get it pretty cheap, right? Hulk 181 is another example where like you may be able to score one for a solid price if there's not many, because there's a lot of Hulk 181s on there, right? And if you can get in on an auction you find that isn't very popular, you might, I'm not saying there's, but there's a small chance you could snipe one for a good price. On Mercari, I found that people um, are more apt to just accepting offers. So you find something you like on Mercari, lowball the shit out of it and just give it a go and see what happens. Like, op- like they may not accept, but they also counter often to a much lower price I've found. So. That would be your advantage there from what my experience is. However, with what I don't like about them, and I've had this happen multiple times now on both eBay and Mercari, buy from only buy comic books from someone that A, has lots of other comic books that they're selling on their page, and B, has lots of reviews saying that these guys are good. Because otherwise, it's like I've had so many idiots that have sent me a book that I paid a good, you know, 50 bucks for, 30 bucks for whatever, and they just send it in like a raw envelope unprotected. And it's like, you get it, it's like, what the hell is this, right? Whereas like, if you buy on Instagram, most of the people that are going to sell you on Instagram, obviously not everyone, but you buy through reputable dealers on Instagram, they're going to go to the, the hassle of packaging up, right? Because I mean, that's their reputation on the line. Um, so I, I think it's a much, if you buy from a reputable person. Um, and then similarly, if you're selling, um, I think it's best to sell again on social media, Facebook trade groups, um uh through consignment groups like elite or diamond club or whatever they have a small fee but otherwise it's much less than like ebay's 13 percent fee all right and i can't remember what mercari's is but they take a good cut um and then lastly i'll say when it comes to cons again i have very little experience i've only been back in the hobby for a little bit of time i think the best value at a con is kind of like going through dollar bins and 50 percent off boxes Right. I've in the couple of cons I've been to, it's just like the books on the wall. Like they know people are like always googly eyed at the cons for all these wall books. And they like, oh, let me up my con price to my normal price. 
not saying that you can't get good prices. I would just be mindful. Again, it just goes back to have an idea for a book you want at the price that you feel is reasonable. Don't just go buy it off the wall. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cons are usually more expensive one way because they got to make their money back for the cost of the con. Your eBay sellers and Mercari have know that they're going to be paying that fee. So they have to have less wiggle room or up the price yeah. of it. I have not bought anything from Facebook. I do not have a lot of trust in any, anybody on Facebook. I, I feel much better myself with the eBay protection if something came up. Um, I have sold books on IG. Um, and that has gone fine with people paying and I've you know sold and I think you know I haven't heard any issues from that. So that worked out, but I've not had any luck with Facebook and I've tried. I, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you two things here. One, so most of the thing I've so most of my buying on social media has been on Instagram. Um, and most of my trading has been on the Facebook trade groups. However, most trade groups will say if you post book for sales, you have to put in there, otherwise they'll they'll like reject your post. Payment via PayPal, guests, Goods and services, or whatever it is. Goods and services. Goods and services. And you guys all means can talk to whoever it is. We're going to be like, oh, can we do friends and family? However, if you don't feel, if you have an issue with comfortability buying on Facebook, do the guests and service. And even if they say, like, if you do that, I need you to add 4%, right? Whatever, 4%. Because then you have, just like eBay has a protection, PayPal has a protection. If you, if you don't get what you like, you can get a refund through PayPal because that's why you pay them the fee, right? Is for that protection. Friends and family, you know, get references. Like, and that's another thing too on Facebook, you absolutely, and I've been asked for references. I've given references. I've been asked other people for references. Like you can, you can figure it out, right? You don't have to go in blind. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to trust somebody yeah. like that. So that's why I, I prefer Diamond and uh, Elite and some of the others on there. Um, you know, there's a, there's many that do consignment and they've vetted everybody. So you have yeah. much more protection that way. And there's a third party involved. eBay, I feel comfortable because you can get your money back. Uh, I have not done the Facebook just because, yeah. you know, I, I, I've tried it. So maybe we'll do more of that in 2023. We'll yeah. see. Elite but. and Diamond and Grails, those guys will make you give references because – they're a bigger company and they they have to ensure that you get the book that you want, right? So they're not going to just let any Jamoki sell on their platform. Jamoki. <laughs> so, so that's a good point. You know, I, I didn't have that down. Um, but again, like I said, I have my preferences, but that's what you kind of got to find out to buy, right? If you want that book that you can't find at your local LCS, because mine don't have anything that I would want, and the antique store is not going to have them, because you know you're you're limiting yourself. So when you go online, you have much more to buy, and you better cover yourself. So I'll also tell you too on that note, like if you're looking for a book, don't be afraid to put like a little post on your Instagram story that says "In Search of FF5." Right. Or just people that you talk to be like, hey, if you don't want to sell an FF5, shoot them my way. Right. Because people are very friendly on Instagram or um, just in the comic book community, I find. Like, and so people are always willing. Like, I've had a number of people ask me if, like, hey, if you see one and I've found a book and I've sent it to them and, like, you know, it's worked out or it's not worked out, but at least I've, you know, found some things for them. So, like, people are very helpful and it's very, very nice. 
Yeah, I think Instagram's the best place to be. I wish I'd have got there sooner. That's something yeah. else on the list that we can bring up now, which is getting on Instagram much faster. Yeah. And having more of a presence by posting daily. Yeah. Because then you start to work that algorithm to get more followers. And I believe once you get over a thousand, you make money. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, once you get a thousand, you have you can sell books, you can buy books, and you have more people that you can ask for that what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Because if you have like 10 followers, 100 followers, that's not enough that yeah. people are going to respond back. But you need a thousand or more before you'll get those answers, I think. Yeah. I and I would, I would add to that, like, be as forward as you are comfortable being on Instagram. Like, even if there's a dealer that you like the books to sell, but like you can't afford one or you want one, but you can't, just feel free to just like reach out to these guys. Like, I have found that so many of them are just so nice and so helpful. And then if you build a relationship with them, right, it's easier to get a deal happening in the future, right? So it doesn't, it's, it's yep. essentially like that you say, it's like make friends, right? Another way to do that is like comment on other people's posts, right? Because then they comment back on your posts and it all goes right. Everyone lo like, it's just a kind of a, it works the algorithm out and it, you make friends and like the more friends you have on there, the more benefit you're going to gain from acquiring things for your collection. Now this is off topic. My we'll call it my number five, and it's kind of a it's kind of ridiculous, but it it would aggravate me, and probably aggravates most people who do, do dollar bin diving. Stay the hell away from image. There are so many image books from the '90s. They all look awesome. They have some great artwork. They had some great artists. They still do, but none of the, none of those books really take off unless you get lucky with something like The Last of Us, which was not. That's not image. That's dark horse, I believe. Um, one that one of the profit is I hear a movie coming out with Jake Gyllenhaal. I have ten of those books because they were in every dollar bin I could find, and they haven't you know haven't amounted to much yet. Maybe someday they will, but there are so many of them. There's so many long boxes full of that stuff. You don't find very many long boxes full of Silver Age Spider-Man books that aren't keys. But I think most people would rather have bunch of silver age spider-man or batman that are aren't keys than a bunch of wildcats or <laughs> so Cyber I, Force. it's funny you said that actually because i was listening to a podcast today it's a newer one called comics and chaos or chaos and comics camera but it's one true nerd king a guy named phil and rage theo who a lot of people know if you're on social media with the comic community um but they were talking about and i think it's their second to the previous episode about the only non-marvel and dc books and I'm probably probably you can probably take Spawn out. I'm assuming too um, that retain value once they've had content created behind them is the Boys and the Walking Dead. Everything else that like you know like Paper Girls or what they're saying is all not retained value. I haven't done the research behind that. That's what they mentioned. I thought that was a good point though. So that kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying. Like outside of Marvel and DC, like that's an even more volatile market that you're getting into. Yeah. And again, we've talked earlier before that the movies really never moved books in the two thousands Yeah, because we were coming off the nineties bust. So just because they're going to make a movie out of it, like paper girls or a series does not mean it's going to take off like the boys did. And even then yeah. it didn't really take it. I mean, it's valuable, but it's not like, you know, one eighty one. Yeah. Yet. I don't think so. You know, that's the other thing, too, is staying away from the image books, at least. And again, if you like the artist, I have no problem. 
you know, picking up some of their later work or some of their nineties work. And they're, you know, they're, it's like seeing mullets again. Like it's a cool thing to see some of those covers, the foil covers buy it if you enjoy it, but it's not an investment. And the other one that I used to get me every time was the Marvel's greatest comics and super action comics. There is no value in any of those books, right? <laughs> they're just retellings of old books and Early on when I FOMO'd and wanted to get any Fantastic Four Doctor Doom, I would buy the Marvel's Greatest Comics because most of them were Fantastic Four to find out they weren't worth crap, you know, except except the dollar I paid for them. So I thought, oh, look, I got a, you know, uh, Black Bolts on this one, the Inhumans. I have uh, Annihilus on this book. No, just a retelling of an old story. Yeah. And most I mean, of the time when they redo them, the, they're not worth it. If it's in the dollar bin, no big deal, right? Don't just spend hoping that it's going to be bigger than that though right and a couple of them i think i paid eight bucks for them and i know like it was the end of the world but still they looked good but and if they didn't know that those were again crappy not a crappy series but just readers those are yeah. reader books not yeah, exactly. investment books yeah um next one so. for me pretty simple one do every giveaway you find Right, even if it's a book you don't care about, make sure you tag JP on every one of those. Yeah, tag JP. I tag JP on a bunch of them. Right, again, it don't mean anything, but like even if it's a book you don't care about, you could add it into your pool to trade and sell and flip, and it just adds. And again, if it's a giveaway, you're getting it for free, right? You make make five bucks on it. Who knows? So like, there's no harm in entering a giveaway. So I would tell you, enter every giveaway you can see. But do not enter the uh, what are the ones that we just did? You were talking about oh, before. You're talking about the raffles, yes. Yeah, yeah. Raffles, don't like do, I said, I those a... cost you money. I mean, you you may want to do some of those if you want, but those aren't free. No. <laughs> and luckily, I did one of them for five bucks, and wish I didn't. But it's hey, it's five bucks. But there's a I couple. Think I have, I you think saw I've for a hundred. Oh yeah, I mean, there are a few. Like it'll be like, um, like I saw what was it like a Journey into Mystery eighty three? So first Thor, and it was like ten spots. $1,500 a spot. Get the hell out of here. Like I paid $1,500 for a chance at getting that oh book. God. Like I would rather just save my money to get that book for whatever it costs. But like That's I've ridiculous. done, I think four $10 raffles for a, um, for like a, like I actually did it. It was a couple weeks ago. And there was a raw daredevil one for a $10 raffle. And it was like, so that made it like, they made it have like 200 people in the raffle. So they got $2,000 out of it, but like 10 bucks a chance to get Daredevil one. I was like, fuck it. Um, yeah, for, I didn't Five get or ten it. bucks. I've done that about four times for a couple other books. I've not gotten one of them. Just as Tell you what, take out. the five bucks, go to the casino. You probably do better there. Probably. <laughs> but do the giveaways. Um, They're free. Yep, do the giveaways. Uh, my next, as we get towards the end here, there's no real. This is probably my last. Let's see, I got four left, so my top four. Let's call it the 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 the, the things the things I wish I knew the most. The my biggest things here and. This one is low grade is better than no grade. Yeah. Okay. Early on when I got into it, I had a friend tell me that I should only be buying nine eights. And I looked at a Spider-Man 300 to buy. And it was $6,000 for a nine eight. And I didn't buy it, thankfully. But had I bought that newsstand, that one would be worth. I think we saw it sell on uh, Elite for like 18000 18,000. But I still wouldn't have put six grand on a book back then. And there is no big deal to me on a 9 8 versus a 6 6 0, a 5 0, if you just want the book. 
Yeah. Right. I I want a good presenting book I can put on the wall and say I have that copy. Yeah. That's really all I'm concerned about. Yeah, I think for you and I, like the way we both think about this is, we do the hobby for our pleasure and enjoyment, right? I could not advise anyone to say like, hey, you should put your entire retirement on comic books. This market is far too volatile, right? That being said, if you can afford high, high grade books, and that's what you want to do, by all means, we're not telling you how to do it. But for me and JP, I know it's just like, we love these stories. We love these characters. So we're just in it for the pleasure of like having this in our collections. Oh, I love Silver Surfer. I want a Fantastic Four 48. I got one. It's a lower grade, but it presents well. So as long as, long as it presents well, I'm happy just owning a piece of history. I'm not saying I'm not looking for you know the highest value on it, but like I'm happy with, like James said, low grade versus no grade. I just want it to look nice. I'm happy to have a piece of history. This is a character I love. Boom. Yep. That's um, wait. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're, you're next one. Yeah, yeah. So the next one is it's kind of in hand with this, right? Is like you can't have it all, right? And when I first started, I was like, shoot, I want to get these old books that I've characters I love, and I got to figure out what new books I got to get for these new movies. And it kind of goes back to the FOMO thing and doing this thing. My advice to you is if you want to get into the hobby or you're starting the hobby, sit down and think about what it is you actually like, right? We're obviously going to end this episode. And we're going to say something like buy what you like. And it really does apply here. Sit down and think like, what do I want to buy? And what will make me happy? And just focus on that. If you want to be crazy like me, I think a good exercise, and JP's going to laugh at me, is one, imagine in your head what your dream PC would be in terms of a quantity of books, right? We have an interview that we did with Jason from Omega Collects. His number was 10, maybe even to 20. Mine is probably in the 50 range. JP is probably a little bigger. Yours could be 400. Yours could be 400 or 40,000. Whatever that number is, have that in mind when you're buying books, right? Like I like to think I have. So what I did is I came in my mind, it's like around 50. I made a list of what I wanted and I kind of edited it to kind of fit that list. That way, if I see something, even though it's a good deal, it's like, I'm not going to get distracted buying this book because it's not on my list and it's not something that I want in my dream PC. Now, that being said, if you see a book that you know you can make good money off of, like, I'm not going to tell you not to buy that, right? But this is like when you're buying books for your collection and you're thinking, have an idea of what the end goal is. That way you don't get distracted from other things. Yep. And that's... That goes with my next one is I have on here weight. I got into the hobby and my goal was to buy the books that I sold some years back or the ones I lost or shouldn't have traded. So that those are books like ASM 300. I've said this before uh, in the previous podcast, ASM 300, 298, 299, uh, uh, ASM 238. A lot of those were sold or traded for stupid reasons or whatnot. My goal was to get those back and then also to get the ones I was, I'm not going to say not allowed to have as a kid, but just couldn't justify the purchase because there were so many. New Mutants 98, Punisher 1, the miniseries, um, Secret Wars, just those iconic covers. And as it started, it was like a snowball effect for me because I got in slow figuring, I'll, I'll spend 500 bucks and buy ASM 300. 
I'm done. That's the last. I'm not going to buy another book. And then what happened? Another book came on a on an Instagram that I wanted to buy, and then eBay, and you know, and it just snowballed into oh, I want that one too. So again, to what you said, making that list and seeing how many books you want is helpful. I do enjoy the the hunt of it. So that's not the end all be all is making that list because I do enjoy the hunt. But again, waiting and going in slow may help you out as prices fall, obviously. But if it had been if this had been 2020 and at the end of it and we slowly got into buying and we waited, we might have bought at the way top, right? As opposed to middle bottom to bottom here. So um again this will tie into my next item and we'll you know but that again like you said on yours and this is my uh, item too is buy what you like because end of the day you're stuck with a book yeah once you bought it if you like the character you bought it you know you're not going to get your money back unless you're going to file an ebay fraud purchase report you're you're not going to you bought it right you paid that price and you were you were okay with it because it seemed reasonable and I overpaid for some books, underpaid for others. And at the end of the day, um, I know what they were for the most part, but it was more of the enjoyment out of it. I got something, you know, that I, I enjoyed that time of hunting and getting the books. And uh, maybe someday I'll look back and say, damn it. <laughs> I got to yeah. dump them all. <laughs> yeah. Um, on that note, that actually transitioned into my, into my one that I had coming up is you don't necessarily aren't stuck with it, right? understand like you learn how to trade or where to trade like whether it be on the facebook groups on instagram or whatever like even though you did that task of like your dream pc opinions change your your collection evolves just because you have a book doesn't mean your money's gone right you could use that book you could sell it use that money you can trade it um so you know, i'm a big fan of trading a couple things i would note on that if you're thinking about trading and you want to buy books that you can have good trade value on, I still would only recommend buying books that you don't mind keeping in your PC if you can't trade them, right? Because not every book is easily tradable. So don't just get a book because you heard it's got good value. Someone else may not want it, right? So if you got it, make sure it's one you still would rather be happy to have in your collection. Um, were you going to say something, JP? Yeah, that goes back to that, the eBay checking last yeah. sell on eBay to know if that book is liquid or not. That's not always a tell-all, but you see a bunch of them being sold for same price, and you know you can get out of this book if you need to, right? Yeah, and I will say too, like if you're trading, you're probably again if you want to think about good making good money off of your books. Again, we're not an investment comic book podcast, but most books that make good money on return are books that are long-term investments so if you're trading books you're going to be dealing with books you've had more on the short term and just understand that the market is it's comic books right it's not a company like a stock it's a comic book so the market is volatile so don't be so caught up in my opinion this is just me you don't have to be so caught up on making a good profit on every book if you make a trade deal right at the end of the day if the books you use to trade are expendable to you and they get you to a book that you ultimately want most likely it's going to be a good trade right obviously don't don't screw yourself but like you know if you have a good idea you know it's not the worst thing in the world to say like oh i bought that book for 30 but i traded it for 25 dollars a value right or something like if it gets you to where you want to go and you didn't have to put in new money it still can be thought of and you can still feel it as a good good deal yep yeah you got you got leverage 
leverage what I said. You know, I said earlier you're kind of stuck with the book once you bought it, but your point is, you know, to trading aspect of it, yes, like you can get move on from that book if it's liquid and use some of that that value because that's the other thing too. We talked earlier before we started recording is that many of us waste money on a ton of stuff. Yeah. Coffee. If you you live in Seattle, Starbucks. Yeah. You know, you could spend I spent five bucks on a Frappuccino in Niagara Falls this weekend. I got little enjoyment out of that. If you did it every day, that adds up to a lot. So there are stuff you waste money on. But with a comic book, a baseball card, any collectible, most likely if you bought it right, you can at least get your money back for it or close to it. Yeah. Minus the enjoyment you had. So, um, again, buying right and uh, you're not stuck with it, but using the trades to uh, to leverage that money because you're not really stuck with it because it does hold some type of value. But yeah. Um, but my last one was waiting, slow down. Again, that can be good or bad depending on the market swing. But again, learning about, you know. Yeah, I'll be right back. Go ahead and finish up though with that point. Yeah. So slowing down, but also realizing that this is not a business. So slow down so that you don't overpay, you don't overbuy, and you understand what you're trying to collect. But again, that changes over time. You're one you know because of fomo because of movies that come out books and hype come out of nowhere um so your collection are going to change but this is not a business unless you are forming an llc and you're buying and selling comic books for a living so speaking of your trade value speaking of my saying being stuck with a book speaking of you know having margin all those are nice points but this is not a business right yeah. we're doing it for enjoyment we want to make something out of it, make the hobby fund itself, whatever way that is. Yeah. Right. Whether yeah. it's trading a book you got, you spent 50 bucks on it, you know, it's worth a hundred and the guy likes that character and he's willing to give you a hundred in trade value. Great. If he's only going to give you 25 and you don't really care about the book, you lost 25 bucks, but you got enjoyment. There's really, uh, you know, if you study economics, there's these things called, and I'm no expert on this thing, but there's some utility out of getting these items and it's really hard to put a value on much of it yeah. uh, besides the dollars and cents of it. So yeah, it's not my a business. Yeah, totally. My last one, uh, pretty simple one again. Um, and I do have a couple other tips after that I'll go over, but is variants don't hold value for the most. Come on part. now. Acetate <laughs> covers are the way to go. I mean, for the most part, right? Sure. You have the, the jerk and variant that goes for tens of thousands. The jerk off variant, right? Yeah, I, I call it the jerk off variant. Yeah, uh, but for the most part, variants don't like. For example, um, you know, you have that to jerk and variant. Um, first miles miles is obviously worth crazy amounts, but you have the first print that is the next kind of big. And you know, not they do have a new stand one, but I want to we don't want to talk about that. It's kind of an outlier. But they have the direct edition of the first print. Take away the jerk and variant, the first print one is your money book, right? There's a second uh, print of the UF4 and it's uh, Miles' face is not under the trade dress. That, that book is fun to have, and it's but it's worth fractions of what the first print is, right? There's also, and I really like this variant um, that Sarah Pacelli drew where it's just like Miles taking off the mask and his head is the big image on the thing. Similarly, that's not worth that much like compared no. to the first print, right? Again, taking the jerk and variant out of it. So for the most part, if you, you know, if there's a book you want to get, oh, I got to get all 19 variants of it. It's like, slow your roll. 
most of those variants aren't uh, aren't going to be worth anything, or no, at least hold that, good value. That's one of the things I was at an antique store over the weekend, and there DC made so many different variants, and Art Adams did a few, Jim Lee did a few, and I have them on the wall here. Some of them, they're cool looking books, but I mean, if think of it as either you're buying a piece of art that you're going to hang on your wall, or just a cool book to look at later on, because. Not every variant is, like you said, worth really anything. Yeah. And I don't know if they will hold value long term yeah. as a as a blue chip. Take the Dejevic variant out of it. Would you spend 40000 on that book versus an AF-15? No. no that's, so, again, that's what I have. That's what I think about the variants. They're cool for the artwork, but not, yeah. you know, yeah. so. Um, and then I just, if, if you got nothing else, I got a few just like kind of general tips I think that everyone can use and probably does use but um one don't be afraid to ask for a deal right oftentimes you'll see a book and it'll be like four hundred dollars obo obo stands for or best offer right so don't be afraid to make it a best offer right two it may say like four hundred dollars firm that may you maybe don't throw an offer there but you could also just maybe ask like how about four hundred dollars shipped right that we don't pay anymore for shipping always find it when i've made offers at the worst case i get shipping paid for um, so often that works out pretty well. So don't be afraid to ask. And that kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. Make friends, guys. It's, it's easier to work deals when you don't have a good relationship with people. Um, two, right, you're going to obviously be having books shipped to you. Keep all that shipping material, right? The Gemini mailers, the bubble yep. wrap, the boxes that slabs come in. Because like I said, if you get into the flipping game and the trading game, why go buy new stuff when all that stuff is perfectly recyclable? Right, and that Which, stuff, that's, know, that hide that stuff from your wife because yeah. my stuff is like piling up, and she's like, "What is all this stuff for?" Yeah, just, <laughs> I'm gonna just, sell the books. <laughs> yeah, um, and then the last one would be, or the last two would be, don't be shy to tell people that you collect. Right, I guess you know some people are like afraid of like being mocked because it's kind of nerdy. You but might like, get beat up. At the end of the day, you never know. Someone may be like, "Hey, so and so's dad's getting rid of his comics. Who do I know that likes comics? Oh, Rohan likes comics." And then next thing you know, you found something pretty cheap that's got, got a lot of value to it. So don't be afraid to tell people you collect. Um, and then also just on that note, right? Comics can be found anywhere. JP's found them at all kinds of flea markets and antique stores, right? So always keep your eyes out, right? I know there's a story I've seen online of Alex Comic Quarter found a Journey of Mystery 85, which is the first Loki. He found it at, um, at a pawn shop. So, and he got it for steal. So that's always keep I haven't tried yet. I might yeah. try that. Yeah, I want to like I think he I think uh I think he bought it for like three hundred dollars at the pawn shop and then he did a YouTube live sale and he sold it for a thousand. And like honestly that thousand dollars like that the book that he had it graded at like a two oh and it's worth more than a thousand, but he was just like he was he gave something like a thousand bucks for this and it got bought within two seconds. So yeah, that he was, paid three hundred and sold it for a thousand. That was a story lunch money told told us about the gentleman who found the um what the was it the FF first black panther four, no the ff48 was, still there for 40 bucks or whatever it was yeah he that bought it for 40 sold it for 700 then the other guy sold it from who bought it for 700 sold it for 1200 so yeah it's all perspective there and you know your your guy for the journey into mystery was got, got it for a great price willing to give it up for a great price even you know within reason and i'm sure someone's able to grade it and get even more money for it so yeah. Three different people got enjoyment there. So that's the great part about the hobby. Yeah. My my last point before we finish, and 
this is coming in. This is good for the the Endgame movie and good for Ant Man Quantumania. Um, if I can go back in time, what I wish I knew now, I tell myself, go buy one eighty one and one twenty nine in nineteen ninety four and just hold them. That would be my biggest tip to anybody. If you can get a hold of a time machine, go back in time, buy those damn books. And hold on to them. Well, I mean, and if we got a time to... machine, time machine, I'm going back to 1939 and I'm buying Action Comics one. True, but my time machine only goes back to 1994. That's all oh, I can okay. go back to. <laughs> it's broke, but yeah. Uh, no, yeah, that that's that's kind of a funny point. But I mean, again, wishing what we knew now, we knew then. Um, it's all learning game. We've learned a lot in a year. Um, I learned a lot in the 40 years I've been collecting, seeing many different cycles learned a lot but we're still here to learn more we don't we're not professionals we're just non-geek non-nerds that uh, like to talk comics yeah and, and these uh, are our lists of 10 and there are still several other things that we probably have thought about that we could have wanted to know when we started so comment on if you have any uh points of your own uh hit us up to talk like we always say uh but otherwise peace out yeah thanks everybody we'll talk to you on the next episode Looking forward to it. Have a great rest of your week. Talk to you later. later. Peace.